Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, that's a great thing to do during the week. Yeah, let's give him a praise. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Great to see you guys here today. Fantastic. Thank you so much for pivoting with us as we have worship on the screen today. Which is the word of God. Amen. And he 
has the potential to grow and develop into an extraordinary spiritual life force. If you want to be spiritually, you want to spiritually be the amazing trees that prosper and grow, that are always flourishing, thriving, prospering, as we read about in the Bible, such as oaks and palm trees and the cedars of Lebanon, it all has to start with a seed. And Jesus used this allegory when he shared the parable of the sower and the seed. So reading from Mark 4 today. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. It wasn't that the farmer stupidly or carelessly sowed the seeds. Some seed fell on the pathway by accident, but most of the seed was sown on the ground that was ploughed after the seed was cast. Therefore, he didn't know where the rocks were or where the thorns might be. So the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I truly tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So by quoting this passage from Isaiah 6, 9, Jesus explained why he used parables. In teaching parables, Jesus offered his disciples and the hearers the opportunity to dig deep and find the truth. And parables can be understood by those who have the right key. So when Jesus used parables, he didn't start by stating the truth. Instead, the parable was like a doorway. And Jesus' listeners stood at the doorway and they heard him. And if they were not interested, they stayed on the outside. But if they were interested, they could walk right through the doorway and think about the truth behind the parable and what it meant to their lives. Do we want to go through the doorway today? Do we want to hear? Yes. I know you do. <laughs> if you don't understand the key to the parable, though, you don't understand it at all. 
We can imagine what different people in Jesus' audience might have thought when he taught them a parable with no explanation. None of them could understand the spiritual meaning until Jesus explained to the key to them. The sower sows the word. If you miss the key, you miss the whole parable. If you think the seed represents money, in this case, it doesn't. You miss the parable. If you think the seed represents love, you miss the parable. If you think the seed represents hard work, you miss the parable. You can only understand it by understanding the key, the sower, sows the word. It's verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So this is commonly called the parable of the sower, but should really be called the parable of the soils. Because the difference is never the seed, but on the kind of soil it falls onto. It's by preaching that the seed is sown. You can study the seed, categorise the seed, analyse the seed, know the seed, or even love the seed. But if you don't sow it, nothing will grow. You know that natural, don't we? You can hold that seed and do lots of things, but until you sow it, there will be no growth. If the seed is the word, then every preacher must make sure we use good seed. In our own devotional time, we need to be sowing that good word into our lives regularly. In the power of the soils, Jesus wanted to reveal to us the human heart and its response to the word of God. In other words, he gives us four different examples of how the human heart will respond to the word of God. So it starts with a heart that is very hard. Some people are like the ground on the pathway. This has hard, this is hard ground because people walked on it all the time and beat it down into a path or a road. So people who are like the wayside are hard to the word of God. The seed, which is the word of God, falls on the path and the birds of the air come and just eat the seed right off it. It's important to see that Satan doesn't want the word to take root in a person's heart. Like a bird sweeping down and snatching a seed, he wants to remove the seed of the word from the soil of a person's heart. And this is Satan's preferred result. He wants to keep the word from ever being, uh, having a place in a person's life so they will never be fruitful to God. It's as if someone sits under the preaching of the gospel and it doesn't penetrate their heart at all. They're simply there. It's hitting their eardrums, but it's like it's just bouncing off. They never hear it and it never penetrates. And they walk away completely unaffected by the word of the gospel. And they allow no room for the seed of the word in their lives. 
So this represents the people that hear the word of God but never really believe, and obviously they, they don't act on it. Then there is the shallow heart where there's rock underneath. The sea falls on rocky stony ground and it germinates immediately. It shoots right up because the roots don't go very deep. The seed in deep soil will put its energy towards the roots first, while the seed in the shallow soil has no choice, puts its effort to grow above the plant above the ground. And then the sun comes out, persecution happens, and because the word hasn't any deep roots in a person's heart, the plant shrivels under persecution. The stony ground hearer isn't attacked directly by Satan, but by tribulation or persecution. Jesus knew that many have an immediately favourable reaction to the word of God, but they give it up quickly when it comes difficult to follow Jesus. Some professing Christians have no root at all, nothing in themselves. Their root is in their parents or traditional religious experience, in their Christian friends, or they rely on their pastor, or enthusiastic surrounding, you know, but, ooh, you know, but youth camps and stuff where you can get really hyped. We need something deeper to go into our lives. So this signifies the people that hear the word of God and receive it with joy, because there's, but there's no root to sustain it, so it withers. They haven't developed their spiritual disciplines or their own personal relationship with Jesus, with him at the centre. Their roots haven't been dug deep, those deep pathways haven't been forged. Another kind of soil that Jesus tells us about, another kind of human heart, is the crowded heart. And that's the seed that falls on ground where weeds choke out its growth. In the plant kingdom, weeds in the soil will compete for space, nutrients, water and light. And as they grow, their root systems, weeds will spread as they begin to require greater amounts of water and nutrients. The word of God grows there, but so does everything else. Which reminds me of the, the wheat and the weeds that, that Steve uh, preached about a few weeks ago. So everything else soon begins to crowd out the word of God. Slowly and surely, these people, busy with the cares and riches of the world, just lose interest in the things of God. They say, yes, I believe, I want to live according to this gospel. But then the thorns and the cares of the world rise up and choke it out. When I was um, at uni doing teaching, my major was science. And one of the units that we did, we had to grow some certain plants and then collect the data and there was a whole lot of things to do with that. And I'm not very good at growing things, but I was determined <laughs> to do really well in this assignment. So I was going nearly every day to the science block and checking my plants and I could see these plants coming up and, and I was looking after them and nurturing them and there's other ones came up and I pulled them out. I'm like, I know how important it is to weed and to, to water these and I was looking after them really well. And then towards the end of the time, I went to my um, professor, and I was really quite, quite proud of myself, and I was saying, here's my plants, and here's my data, and she goes, you haven't got anything. I said, what do you mean? She goes, they're weeds. She goes, they shouldn't look like that. So I cultivated a whole crop of weeds, and all those other things I was pulling out were the good plants. I had no data. I'd been so diligent. Oh, my goodness. I have a green thumb. I have a brown thumb. And so they looked really healthy. I 
about it. So I really know the importance of cultivating the good things and pulling out the bad things and not being confused by that. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, it's a miracle that any of my plants live. <laughs> In the human heart, Jesus mentions four weeds that compete for our heart affection, spiritual nutrients and time. So there's the cares of the world, the Greek word is marima, meaning to divide the mind. It's good, isn't it? Denotes distractions, anxieties, burdens and worries. Traditions and religious mindsets. Jobs. These could be good things. It's good to have a job, but if that's all our focus and time and priority. Wrong relationships. Houses and bills, distractions, anxiety, fear. Another one is deceitfulness of riches, the Greek word opate, meaning deceit or deceitfulness akin to cheat and beguile, that which gives a false impression, whether by appearance, statement or influence. And I think one of these things is we choose comfort and what we want to do, we choose our leisure rather than focusing on Jesus and his kingdom. How do I build the kingdom? I'm too busy doing these other things. Relationships can be that desire for other things. It can also be a status. And the other one is pleasure of life. Temptation, sin, entertainment, getting some comfort. I see some people that it's like, their holidays are their, their main centre thing. Everything's about that and focusing on that. They're good. Holidays are good. I encourage you that, but it doesn't want to be our focus. So the person begins to get distracted by money or by the pursuit of power or by the pursuit of worldly pleasures. And before long, the plant that grew out of the seed of the word just shrivels up and dies. And finally, Jesus talked about deep, fertile soil, where there is a fruitful heart that receives the word. The word of the gospel falls in that soil and it sends down roots, a deep foundation into the soil and grabs on, it begins to get nurtured by the soil. The plant sprouts up and it produces fruit. And that's the kind of life that Jesus is saying that you ought to have. This believer understands and believes the word, holds onto it when and they will be are tested. He or she then tends and weaves their own heart of affections contrary to the word, endures with patience to produce a harvest 30, 60, 100. And that's the kind of response you want to have to the gospel. Not one that gets choked out, not when it gets shriveled up by persecution, not one that really doesn't care and has no penetration at all, but one that receives the word and the roots go down deep and begins to get nourished and then creates fruit. So the seed falls on good ground and the plants produce a rich harvest. They accept the word and bear fruit, thus fulfilling the purpose of the seed. So this parable shows that when the word is received, it, there should be something that happens. Fruit is produced. If nothing happens, then the word is not being received as it should be. We are the ones who determine what sort of soil will be in our hearts. We decide whether we will have a hard, hard heart, a shallow heart, 
hard or a receptive heart. Yeah. That's exactly what James meant when he said, James 1, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Of the seed that fell on the good ground, all of it produced. But not all produced to the same degree. Yeah. Not all of it had the maximum yield. Every seed was the same, right? Yes. Every seed had the same access to the seed. Yeah. Sorry. Every soil had the same access to the seed and had the same potential for fruitfulness. Yeah. But the Word of God cannot work in our lives unless we have receptive hearts. We determine the effectiveness of what we hear and whether we allow it to penetrate. We decide if we're going to nurture it and provide the optimum environment for it to prosper and be fruitful. 30, 60 or 100 fold. We determine the yield. So here's some ways to make seed more fruitful to increase our yield. Do a regular heart check. It's good in the natural, it's good in the supernatural. What is the condition of your heart soil? Pray like Psalm 26 to test me Lord and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. If you pray that, he will, he will show you. We can speak this verse any time to ask him how to show us where we need to change our lives. Yeah. His spirit will convict us of areas that need attention. Yeah. It's easier than you may think to end up with unbalanced, poor soil in your heart. We have the option of deciding if we're going to pay attention to his word and do what he says or not. Or if we're going to, yeah, if we're going to choose not to do that. So is your heart hard? A hardened path of intolerance or an unforgiving nature may border the fertile heart soil. Hard hearts must be ploughed up before they can receive the seed. And this could be a painful experience. Isaiah 10, 12 says, So righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes. So from time to time we all grow a few thorns or accumulate a few rocks. The good soil of our heart may give generously to the poor, but the thorny or rocky patches choke out time for praising him or the acts of service that come to our attention. To till or rake the soil. If we keep our heart soil well tilled with his word, it'll be easier to break up the hard-packed areas, those hard obstacles like rocks, oversensitivity, unforgiveness, offence. And we remove thorns those, and those weeds. We reduce the materialism and distractions and sin, things that choke and entangle us. When we're planted together near streams of righteousness, the branches of our fellow believers provide shade for us. We stop getting parched by the sun, the water, we drink in water the Holy Spirit, we have the washing of the word, we wash away the dirt and the sin. We know what is right and wrong when we know the Bible and we're established in the heart of God. We need nutrients to be nourished, to hear the word and meditate, which means like to chew, like a cow chewing the cud. Same as the grass in its mouth before filling its stomach, then sits and quietly regurgitates it, 
working in its mouth before swallowing it. It's, it sounds gross, but the process transforms grass into rich, creamy milk. As we meditate on the Word of God, we take it from our mind down to our heart for prayer. It becomes milk, it becomes sustenance that we can draw from. You know, in connect groups, we discuss the word that is being preached. We share revelation and challenges, insight, wisdom. We hear what Holy Spirit is illuminating to others yeah. through him. Become more like him through the word. And that's being disciple. We're called to be his disciples and to disciple others. When we look into the Bible, it can be like a mirror. We look in and we think, oh, I need to make some changes. I need to bring correction. We need to align to what he wants us to be. We grow in God, be fruitful, to be more like him from glory to glory. And as it says in Pantene, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. <laughs> it's like we plant a seed. We don't just instantly see something. There's a patience behind it. Be patient remembering the waiting game. James 5, 7 to 8. Therefore be patient, brethren. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Waiting patiently, I just wait, I'm not so good at waiting patiently for it, until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Fruit on trees takes a long time, and so does spiritual fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Can you imagine that? You'd be too kind. You're under arrest. You'd be too kind. You'd be too much self-control. There's no law against it. Let's have the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, bubbling up out of us and blessing others around us. If we find ourselves angry, anxious, unkind, mean or gossipy, harsh with people, intolerant, not reliable in things of God or daily life, undisciplined and lazy, then we can trace it back to the seed that we've been sowing into our hearts. In Psalm 51, 10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. When we plant his word in rich, fertile soil, it can grow deep roots. Yeah. And that brings forth an abundant crop of peace, blessings, joy, and love. Amen. The healthy, deep roots help us make better choices, and they guide our actions to reflect Jesus. Dig into his word, plant and nurture the seeds that he gives to you. Now, the discipleship community is so key in this because it's, it's where we support one another. They hold us accountable. We share insights and experiences to encourage and, and teach. We challenge and prune. We graft onto more mature plants and receive from them until we're stronger. It encourages us to run to God when we're in trouble, when we're feeling down, not from him during those tough times. And sometimes we have those really difficult seasons where we face chronic illness, deep grief, heartbreak, and we don't have the strength or opportunity then to dig down deep and take the word of God in for ourselves. 
for God and his fellow family of believers are there for us and they can we graft into them and they can support us during the time. You know, we often cry out to God when things are bad or we need help or we hope God interacts in our favour. But we sometimes miss out because we haven't invested in the times when it was good. It's hard for us to invest in the middle of suffering and bad circumstances. Although I'm aware that we often see growth once we made it through. You may not have much left to invest in growth. All you can do is hang on and pray to God that he helps us through this situation. So I would encourage you, let's grab a hold of the word yeah. while we have the opportunity and we're in a good place. Yeah. Right. Build stores and strength in preparation for when the challenges come. Yeah. So very aware that farmers don't just sow a seed once and then that's it for life. They're sowing in season, every season. They're sowing, they're sowing, they're sowing because they want to reap and reap and reap. You know, 10 church will be part of Connect Group, week in and week out. And we see people come to church only when they're in need, they're rock bottom, or they need a job, or they've you know, got broken relationships, they're feeling the pain of some of those bad decisions, or they only go to the prayer meetings when they're in desperate need. But once their need, need is met, or they're disillusioned because what they were hoping for didn't happen instantly, they don't want to go through the wagon game. They stop praying and fellowshipping and walking off. You know, as farmers, pastors and leaders, we are going to God who provides all seed generously and asking what he has for you. We provide a weekly church service. We have, um, you know, in-depth discipleship can take place. We give you access to so many resources from new version plans, study tips, relationship tools like marriage group, family relationships, parenting group. We have prayer meetings, we meet in person, we pray before church every Sunday, we have online every Tuesday morning, we pray in connect groups, we have personal ministry prayer all the time here, 24 hour prayer meetings, but you have to receive all there is on offer. I feel like we provide this amazing buffet but it's no good unless you actually step forward yeah. and you choose to take it in. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating for leaders sometimes. You see comp- um, congregation members, they come with the struggles and you're like, wow, we should have taken advantage of that yeah. prayer time. We had that and didn't go to anything. So, guys, <laughs> help yourself a little bit here. <laughs> How would we encounter the identical bad situation, sickness, suffering, if we'd invested in deep roots beforehand like the tree. Yeah. If we stayed connected to the deep water taken of living water before, during and after the circumstances. If we continually sowed and watered the word of God every day. As I said, the farmer tends to sow regularly and he sows seed, not just as a one-off, but regularly in season. He knows he will reap what he sows and he will only reap if he has sown. Prepare the soil now while we have the opportunity. Remove anything that will prohibit fruitfulness. Be flexible to withstand the storms and stay connected with other like-minded believers. Hear the word and do it. Keep sowing and reaping, knowing that you will reap a harvest. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. 
after the waiting period, in due time, his time. And the analogy used so many times in the Bible in, is of this maturity in God is tall, strong trees. They're large, established, positioned in the right places and fruitful in all they do. Psalm 1 says, Tree plant, trees run by streams of water, which yields each fruit in season, yes. and whose leaf doesn't wither. Yes. Whatever they do prospers, providing shade, fruit, and seed for others. Yes. Amen. Let's just take some time to pray. Thank you. You know, the first step to having good soil is having your heart ready to live your best life is to ask Jesus, the giver of life, to come into your heart. Remove those negative things, those blockages holding you back. That sin. It's also unforgiveness, bitterness and self-reliance. And he can do this because he died on the cross in our place. He took our sin, was buried and then resurrected. He's our risen saviour. If that is you, if you need to ask Jesus to come into your heart, to give your life to him, he gives us, he takes our old heart heart and gives us a new heart, he takes our heart of stone and he gives us a beautiful heart of flesh. If that's you, right now, just put your hand up and I'll see it. You need to actually make that decision to make Jesus Lord and Saviour of your life. Don't miss this opportunity. Maybe you felt like you've done this in the past, but you've drifted away and it's time to come back. Your eyes are closed, only I'll see your hand. Is there anyone here today?
acknowledge that now and pray that we'll be able to prioritise being in that discipleship community so that we can have that optimum yield and great fruitfulness in our life. for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.